This morning, our scripture is a responsive reading from Psalm 118, but first let us pray. God of steadfastness, by your Holy Spirit, open our minds that as the scriptures are read and your word is proclaimed, we may be led into your truth and taught your will. For the sake of Jesus Christ, our Lord, amen. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. God's steadfast love endures forever. Let Israel say, God's steadfast love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, God's steadfast love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, Out of my distress I called on the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me in a broad place. With the Lord on my side, I do not fear. What can mortals do to me? Open to me the gates of righteousness, that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, even with all of our fanfare, certainly somewhere in the back of your mind, you are thinking this is a strange day for a wonderful celebration. To rejoice in coming back together, to have children singing and bells ringing and smiles a mile wide, because it's rally day. But can rally day really fit into September 11th? Really? Eleventh, really? I imagine that all of us who are old enough remember almost every detail of that day. The day that, as the psalmist Alan Jackson put it, the world stopped turning. At about 6.30 in the morning, I finished brushing my teeth in Williamsburg, Virginia, and I jumped in my car to begin a 15-hour drive to see friends in Memphis, Tennessee. I was listening to an audiobook, as is my habit on long drives. It was almost all turnpike, so I was able to stop and get gas or run into a restroom quickly and efficiently, minding my own business, focused only on getting the miles behind me. At 5 o'clock that evening, I called my friends from a payphone because I did not have a cell phone at that time. I called them to let them know about what time to expect me, and I remember they sounded funny. And I said, are you okay? And they said, well, well, sure, all things considered. And I repeated, all things considered, what do you mean? And in disbelief of my astonishing ignorance, 
She told me of the terror that had been unleashed. I hadn't known until hours after it happened, but once I knew, I couldn't unknow. And once I knew that knowledge began to inform other parts of my day, there hadn't been much traffic at all. The rest stops had been quiet and subdued, absent of any children running around or picnics being unpacked. The toll booth workers and the gas station clerks hadn't even tried to make conversation, and I had chalked it all up to good fortune and traveling mercies until I learned I had been driving through trauma, grief, and fear, blissfully unaware. But once you know, you can't unknow. And once you know, it becomes the lens through which you see everything. It becomes the standard against which days to come are measured. I don't know where you were all those years ago, but can we really fit a day of rally day rejoicing into a day of somber remembrance? Psalm 118 answers with unwavering conviction, yes. And that's why we turn to it today as we begin this new sermon series that will carry us all the way through to All Saints Day, from Rally Day to World Communion Sunday, through Stewardship and Ukirk Sunday and Reformation Day, and finally, All Saints. Throughout all of these weeks, we will hold on tightly to and let ourselves be held tightly by the truth that God's steadfast love endures forever. Because that is the foundation of our faith, the center point from which everything else builds and grows. Martin Marty, a scholar who has written extensively about religion in America, but who also served as a pastor, he once said, we would need to say nothing else about God ever if we could really grasp that God is love and that God's love endures forever. But since in our humanness we cannot grasp that, not fully enough, psychologists and preachers and historians and theologians spend all their days reminding us that all the stories and all the sermons and all the doctrinal statements, everything we say trying to communicate about the divine it's all correlated with one central assertion that God's steadfast love endures forever. It was Martin Luther, an instigator behind the Reformation, a theological ancestor to whom we Presbyterians owe much. He wrote, although the entirety of Holy Scripture is dear to me, as my only comfort and source of life, I have fallen in love with Psalm 118 especially, and I consider it my own. When emperors and kings, the wise and the learned, and even the saints could not aid me, this psalm was my friend. It helped me out of my greatest troubles. As a result, it is dearer to me than all the wealth all the honor and all the power in the entire world. And if you were to offer me all of it, 
in exchange for this one psalm, I would be entirely unwilling. For a time before I came here to be with you, I served a church that followed the lectionary, a list of assigned scriptures that offer passages for each week. And so each Sunday, we included three scripture readings and the singing of a psalm. Now, I had long known that Psalm 118 is the psalm that is assigned to Easter every year. But it was at that highly liturgical church in New York City that I learned how Psalm 118 is actually assigned two Sundays in a row. Easter Sunday and Palm Sunday, too. All of this is really a way of getting back to my original question, can we fit rejoicing into a day like today? It's the psalm itself, I think, more than anything I could say about it that provides the answer. Over and over, it proclaims that God's steadfast love endures forever. God's love endures on Easter, when death is defeated and resurrection is made real and for at least a moment, everything is right in the world. But God's steadfast love also endures on Palm Sunday, when we are bracing ourselves for what we know is coming. And God's steadfast love endures all the days in between, too, God's steadfast love endures on Good Friday when every whit of hope seems to have evaporated. And God's steadfast love endures on Monday, Thursday, when a final meal was shared and goodbyes were spoken and hearts began to break. And I just learned this. This is fascinating to me. You might have known this. There is... But one time in all of scripture in which Jesus sings, Matthew and Mark, they both include it in the same story with just the briefest of detail. On that night, after he shared a last supper with his friends, they did one last thing together before they headed out into the night. When they had sung the hymn, the gospels tell us, They went out to the Mount of Olives. Now, in observing Monday, Thursday, at least liturgically speaking, I have washed feet, I have rinsed hands, I have served communion, I have sat people down at a Mediterranean feast, I have talked about the commandment to love one another more times than I could count. And I had never noticed in one little line about how on that night, Jesus and his disciples sang. Now, study Bibles and some of my Jewish friends and rabbis, they are all in agreement that if Jesus and his friends were singing a hymn after supper on what was to them the first night of Passover, there is no doubt whatsoever that they were singing the Hallel, a hymn that has been sung during evening prayers on the first night of Passover since long before Jesus' time. And if you are like me and not fluent in Jewish custom, 
That is a hymn that gives melody to Psalms 113 through 118, which is to say, on the night that Jesus said goodbye to those closest to him, on the night that he walked knowingly into the arms of betrayal, on the night that was the beginning of his end, Jesus sang, and he sang with a full heart despite knowing that his heart would stop soon, and he sang that God's steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Out of my distress, I called on the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me in a broad place. With the Lord on my side, who do I fear? What can mortals do to me? These are the glad songs of victory in the tents of the righteous. I shall not die, but I shall live. I thank you that you have answered me. You have become my salvation. In our hardest moments, the Psalms, all of them really, but maybe especially this one, they invite us to face the darkness and endure the darkness. And the reason we can manage that is because God is found in the darkness with us. The one who spoke light into being and the one who once said, I am the light of the world. They help us transform the darkness and difficulty around us, not by casting it aside, but by refusing to leave us alone in it, no matter how long it persists. If we build our faith around the idea that God prevents trouble from ever finding us, well, that sort of faith is utterly without foundation and it will fall apart accordingly. But if we build our faith around the idea that God is no stranger to trouble and that God will help us outlast the trouble, well, that sort of faith will hold up. It has held up from generation upon generation. Now here is a little Hebrew lesson for you. It is back to school season. The word that our Bible translates as steadfast love is hesed. And anyone who has ever studied biblical Hebrew for even the briefest of moments can tell you hesed is the center and core of God's promise. And it runs from the first words of creation until the final glimmer of time itself. Now, there's about a million ways you could translate hesed because nothing in our language can quite capture it. I was taught to translate it as habitual loving kindness. And I remember my professor saying, think of the concept of random acts of kindness. Now, that's a lovely idea, he said, the idea that kindness will show up in unexpected places at unexpected times. But know that God's loving kindness is the exact opposite. It is consistent. It is habitual. It is always. It can be counted upon, and it will never let us down. 
There is not and never will be anything random about God's love. God's steadfast love endures forever. God's habitual loving kindness endures forever. It will never leave us nor forsake us, ever. That is how and why all of this can fit together today. That is how and why we can rejoice even on our hardest days because we don't ever have to face them alone. Now it may be a strange fit. It might be, but even still, it is strong enough to hold together. And it is not the first time that a strange fit has managed to get the job done. The psalm assures us of that too. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, it proclaims. That which was cast aside for not fitting the mold well enough, for being a bit too awkward to fit nicely and neatly into the world around him, now holds everything together and does not waver. It was years ago during a class at Columbia Theological Seminary, the esteemed professor Shirley Guthrie was teaching about the doctrine of salvation. One student was adamant that not all would be saved, that some were unrighteous and they deserved God's eternal condemnation. This student was confident that some would receive the punishment they had coming to them. The other students became increasingly uncomfortable. Some of them worried he was going to start naming names. <laughs> Until Dr. Guthrie said in his trademark, kind, yet confident way, if scripture is certain of any one thing, it is that God is for us and never against us. God is for us. God is with us. God's steadfast love endures forever. And once you know that, you can't unknow it. It becomes the standard by which everything else is measured. It becomes the framework in which we live and move and have our breathe and have our being. It becomes the structure upon which everything else stands which means it will hold you up. It will hold all of us up on our best days and on our worst. And I don't know about you, but I will rally around that. Pray with me. Gracious God, we believe. Help our unbelief. In Christ's name we pray, amen.